Welcome to Flicks, my name's Daniel Swan, this is episode 123, 123, that's pretty fun, in which myself and my lovely wife Tiffany B discuss Spider-Man Far From Home. It's a Spider-Man film, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, which means I'm either going to love it or hate it passionately because of some really petty things that no one else gives a shit about. While for some, the prospect of an eighth solo Spider-Man film, along with smaller roles in three others, in just 17 years might seem like overkill, for others it just seems right. Those others can be grouped into two main categories. The first category, the one I fall into, is the fans. We know that Spidey is up there with Superman and Batman as the most iconic characters comicdom has ever created. But at the same time as being one of the absolute greats, Spider-Man is also our entry point into the superhero universe. In amongst the gods and the paladins and the sentient machines and the biologically enhanced super soldiers is an ordinary guy from Queens. Never mind his incredible powers, his genius level intellect and his supermodel wife, Peter Parker is what would happen if one of us won the superpower lottery. He goes into every fight thinking that he's going to lose, but he goes in anyway. That is what makes him a hero. He is the best. The other group of others are the executives, the money men, the people who know all too well that the aforementioned eight films have grossed over 5.5 billion dollars worldwide. And as those people are the people who decide whether we get more web-slinging films, it's safe to say that Spider-Man Far From Home, the second solo outing for Tom Holland's Spidey, and the 23rd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, will be far from the final look we get at Spider-Men. Be they Peter Parker-shaped, or Miles Morales. Far From Home documents an eventful European trip for Peter Parker, one that will once again bring into conflict his personal and professional lives as MJ, Ned, Nick Fury, Mysterio and most of all the spectre of Tony Stark test him like never before. But is Far From Home far from the high standards of the MCU or is it yet another Marvel home run? To help me answer is the aloof, too-cool-for-school, death-obsessed chick to my geeky hat-wearing nerd, Tiffany B. Tiffany, what did you think of Spider-Man Far From Home in a spoiler-free context? Um, thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a good film. I thought it was good. It was good. No. Um, Any other words of... Uh, gosh, uh, it was I, good. If I could push you for t just to extend it to two, perhaps? Very good. Very good. <laughs> there we go. Um, no, I thought... Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Okay. There is a little uh, disease uh, oh called superhero fatigue. Sure. That is... It's is, a disease which you have been... In afflicted yes, with before exactly and i i well i thought it was going to be good yep but i also thought i have seen a lot of these films recently mm -hmm. this is the third marvel film this year yes in seven so months six I thought, months well you know what those were good maybe yeah. this will just be like yeah fine good but it was better than that i thought good. um in spite of my uh, tally of superhero films mm -hmm. that I thought it was still good and enjoyable and um, something you could uh, take on its own merit as well. Nice. Like it is involved in the whole universe, yeah. but it is also a, sta a very good standalone film. Yeah, it's pretty self contained. Yeah. Outside of all the kind of Tony Stark stuff. Yes, exactly. And I also thought it did a very good job of following up um, Endgame. Yeah. Because that's very epic. Yeah. And felt very final. Yeah. And this is kind of coming on hot on the heels of that. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, you kind of think, oh, well, everything's happened now. What, 
what have you got to say, you know? Yeah. Like, what's special or interesting? But actually, it addressed a lot of the kind of fallout of Endgame. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as you mentioned, like, Tony Stark was ever-present. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it did a good job of following up something that fe- felt like the end of the story. Yeah. And this was like, well, but what now? Yeah. For some of the characters. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good. What did you What did you think of Spider Man Homecoming? Uh, I really liked that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, I don't know a huge amount about Spider Man. Obviously, you have taught me a lot. But You're I welcome. Do, <laughs> I do think that these Spider Man films have been my favorite of the Spider Man films. Yeah. Largely, I think because of the. Um, I think Tom Holland, for one, but also more generally, more broadly, the focus on him being very young. Yeah. He's adolescent. Yeah. He's, you know, going through puberty. He's a kid. Yeah. And the the focus on that in these films, I think, and the the juxtaposition of that Mm. with figuring out who he is as a superhero has made these much, much more compelling. So I think that this film and the last one, I... I like them both largely for the same reasons because yeah. of their focus on that of him like being a kid and you know who doesn't love a kid trying to figure it out yeah and that's where he is classic yeah. wit du passage kind of yeah. uh, film making yeah you kind of relate to it you empathise with it you root for him yeah um, I think these films do that very well nice nice yeah I would agree with that what did you think? I thought it was very good I thought it was very very good yeah um I think it was, yeah, like you say, it was it was a a great way to follow Endgame, um, because we're now in the terrifying point where that's the last MCU film that we know about. I mean, we know that there's others coming, and we know which dates they're arriving on, but it's just kind of Kevin Feige and the the head honchos that know exactly what those films are, what they're yeah. going to be. Um, and so this, yeah, felt like if if Endgame was like the the final scene of this part of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this felt like a kind of an, ep- an epilogue of sorts. Yeah. Um, it had stakes to it, and it was very dramatic, and it had all that kind of good stuff in it. But it felt notably lighter. Yeah. And kind of deliberately lighter, yeah. I think, like a little kind of a little dessert after the kind of yeah. steak, the, the beef. aggressive yeah. consequences of yeah. the previous film. Um, and I feel like it did really well for that. It was um, it again, like like you were saying, with Homecoming, it has the confidence to focus a big part of it on the fact that he is a kid. Yeah. Um, one of the criticisms that I would have of the the earlier of the the Maguire and Garfield Spider-Man films, um, and that Into the Spider-Verse had as well, is that they or, or the Into the Spider-Verse kind of falls into the Tom Holland camp in that it is a you know it's a film about a young person yeah. trying to work out who yeah. he is. The earlier Spider-Man films seemed to try and kind of rush through that as much as possible. Let's get him to an adult. Yeah. Partly, possibly, because they'd cast people in their late 20s as teenage Peter Parker. But, um, yeah, it felt like they were kind of... I don't know. In that same way as there's never really been... I mean, aside from Chris O'Donnell, there's never really been a kind of a cinematic Robin yeah. that's really embraced the comic book thing. Yeah. Because it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's crazy having a you know, 16-year-old kid swinging around on webs, fighting all these bad guys and being in mortal danger because you're like, oh, my God, it's a 16-year-old kid. This is terrifying. In the same way that it's psychotic for Batman to take this, like, 15-year-old gymnast out, you know, beating up purse snatchers and stuff on the streets. Um, But these films have the the confidence to, to really ground it a lot in his teenageness. Yeah. And to have him be that that wonderful um, contrast of, yes, he is incredibly powerful and he can do these amazing things as Spider-Man, but he's also a teenager yeah. and he's an idiot and he's... 
impetuous and he's obsessed with the girl that he likes and that's all he's thinking about he probably even when he's fighting these big monsters yeah he's just thinking oh what, what, what yeah. mj meant when she said blah 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 and i hope that i get to you know hold her hand um and i think that's really good and i think that's something that again as a difference between these films and the older films is that just the very the very fact of having him contextualized within a broader universe yeah allows him to be younger because in the other ones he's the only superhero yeah. there and so he's got that whole kind of burden of he's the you know he's all that's standing between you yeah, know when the and... when the sandman shows up yeah. he has to show up because there's you know he can't call the fantastic four or yeah uh, daredevil or anyone else um but with this he's a kid and he's doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah. But there are other superheroes that do know what they're doing, which really kind of highlights that. I don't know. I just think it's really. Yeah. It's a, a kind of a revelatory thing after having five films of him be, you know, it's the Spider-Man universe, so it's just Spider-Man and no one else. Yeah. To have him interacting with Nick Fury and Iron Man and Mysterio in this film. Yeah. Just feels really different and really exciting. Yeah. Because he can be this idiot you know, who has all these powers but doesn't really, still at this point, doesn't really know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, and you get this feeling like he's still working out what he can do, what his yeah. limits, what his, you know, what he can do with the gifts that he's been given. Yeah. Um, which makes you excited for, like, oh, my God, what if there was a, you know, we get to a Spider-Man film where he's in his, like, his late 20s and he's just... <laughs> he's amazing spinning and flipping and... See, I don't think that would be exciting. I mean, it would be less exciting, yeah, but but it's... I don't know, it's it's cool to think that there there's there's an end point to it. Yeah. There's a development to it. Um but uh yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really funny, really um uh yeah, just kind of light and fun and a bit kind of breezy yeah. after after Endgame's dour heavy heaviness. Yeah. Um who's your MVP? Tom Holland. Mine too. I think he's he's just very he's very good at that character I think mm -hmm. he's very good at being kind of awkward mm -hmm. he's very good at being young mm -hmm. um, he's very good at showing his kind of uncertainty yeah. but his you know like inherent goodness yeah. his desire to be good yeah. his desire to help others yeah I think he, he balances that really well Yeah. so you kind of believe that he's an awkward teenager mm. but you also believe that he you know can win this fight yeah uh, and I think I think he holds a lot of the charm of the film mm. um, I think he's very charming mm. and he balances really the tone and the of like yeah this kid mm. if you didn't like the kid or if you didn't believe the kid yeah the film would be very different yeah so i think it kind of you know seems like an obvious thing to say because it's the title character but it kind of starts and finishes with him i think yeah and uh i think he's very good and very believable mm. and he makes you believe his vulnerability yeah yeah, I think vulnerability is a good word for it. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's never too powerful for any fight, kind of physical or emotional. Um, and I think that the big word that that I think sums up his appeal is earnestness. Yeah. He's so earnest. He's such a kind of open book. Yeah. He's there's no duplicity with him whatsoever. Yeah. And he just is so desperate to do the right thing. Yeah. And he just never knows what that is. Um, it's just, it's impossible not to root for him. Yeah. I think. When he has this kind of constant self doubt, doesn't he? Yeah. That everybody can relate to. Yeah. You know, especially as a teenager, mm. and that earnestness of like, you know, disbelieving himself yeah. on occasion or. You know, having to like kind of buoy himself up, like yeah, I can do it, I can do it. And yeah, I don't know that constant self doubt. I think is very relatable. Yeah, and very charming and genuine and earnest, like you said. Especially when you're a teenager. Yeah, because everyone knows that. Having to like, deal with like relationship things and parents and this and that and blah 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 blah. blah. But also, there's these monsters that are attacking Venice, yeah. and he's like, oh god. Yeah. I give him a thumbs up as well. MVP Tom Holland. Well done. 
Well done, sir, wherever you are today. <laughs> um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about in uh, a spoiler-free context, or are you eager to get cracking with the spoilers? I'm eager. Eager as a beaver. Beaver. You're like Justice Beaver wanted to get in with the spoilers. Um, well, that was our spoiler-free review of Spider-Man Far From Home. If this is where our paths part, part then thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you come back and listen to the spoiler-filled section once you have seen Spider-Man Far From Home. If you have seen Spider-Man Far From Home, you have only a jingle's worth of time to wait um, before we'll be getting spoilery. Um, so let's have that jingle right now. We're just about to spoil this film. So I'm telling you it won't be groovy If you listen any further Without watching the movie It's spoilers! So that's the jingle, which means that we are out of the desert of spoiler-free and we're heading into the swamp of spoiler-filled um, to use our patented 5.6 outcome rating system to delve into the nitty and indeed the gritty of Spider-Man colon far from home tiffany b hi get a point with you oh my gosh get a point with you i'm an old man living in new york with all the superheroes <laughs> um every time i look up there's another one flying around in his pajamas oh my goodness oh my um goodness. i'm gonna go for an easy one go for an easy one babe we've kind of talked about it ease already. into it all I'm easing in with pro... Pro. Positive. Tom Holland. Mom Tomond. Um, I think largely for the reasons we've already covered, but I think he's very genuine, he's yep. very believable, yep. he's very charming, mm -hmm. he's just... He embodies the character very well, I think. Yes. Um, And as I mentioned already, he makes you root for him. Mm-hmm. He makes you cringe at some of the things he does, which yeah. you should, because yes. he's an awkward teenager, and yeah. that's how you should feel. Um, but yeah, like you say, you never really doubt that he's being genuine mm -hmm. to like who he is and what he wants. Um, and he's just a good guy. He's just a kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he holds a lot of the weight of the success of the film. I'd on agree. his shoulders, and I think he does it very well. He embodies a lot of the qualities that I want to see in my Spider-Man. Yeah. And obviously with any of these comic book characters, you know, I mean, Spider-Man's been around since 1962. Um, it's a long time. The character's going to kind of go in, you know, different directions and stuff. There's no definitive Spider-Man. Yeah. In the same way that there's no definitive Batman, there's no definitive Superman. You know, there's there's different... Versions. Yeah, each writer will come in and say, "Well, this is my, this Version. is what I think is." Yeah. Um, but what he represents is what I look for in my Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. In that kind of earnest, self-doubt, young. young, nervous, nerdy, nerdy, clever, but kind of yeah, just awkward yeah. teenager. I love it. Yeah. It really works for me, and I think he's a big part of that. Yeah. So well done, Tom Holland. Agreed. Positive. That one of your points as well. No. Huh? But I will use that to launch into an aspect of it that we've discussed. Awkward teen love. Um, it's an aspect of Spider-Man that I related to as a teenager. I was, you know, constantly, you know, puppy dog eyes at some young lady or another. Um, and in, you know, the fate of the world is at stake and Mysterio's like, what do you want? He's like, well, I want to go to the top of Eiffel Tower. I want to give this necklace to MJ and I want to give her a little smooch. And I'm like, yeah. He wants to smooch her up, babe. All right. He wants to I'm give her some wrong. Paris smoochins. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's, he's just a young, awkward... Yeah, and his aspirations are teenage yeah and it just really brings it home i think with that in particular his kind of ardent ardor um for mj that he is just a teenager he yeah. is just i don't know 16 or however old he's supposed raging to be raging hormones raging hormones complete idiot doesn't know what he's doing 
he's got this kind of romantic idea in his head of this is what I want it to be based on a conflation of any number of romantic films and stories that he's seen and read in the past and he just wants it to be perfect and this kind of Spider-Man stuff is and it's, it, it makes it the kind of perfect Spider-Man story that there is it's the classic Spider-Man dual you know issue of there's a problem that Peter Parker has to deal with and there's a problem that Spider-Man has to deal with and the two it seemingly can't be both achieved perfectly. Yeah. And so one of them is always going to have to suffer. He's, yeah. And, and invariably it's the Peter Parker thing because whatever Peter Parker problem it is, it's not is probably important. not going to result in as many deaths yeah. as the Spider-Man one. Um, and that's, that's Spider-Man in a, in a nutshell. It's, you know, he's got a, He's got to, you know, drop the groceries home to Aunt May, but then he's also got to stop Doctor Octopus from blowing up the whatever. Yeah. Um, and the, the yeah the the awkward teen love, um, just yeah worked really well, and both of them being awkward as well. Um, in Spider Man Homecoming, I, MJ was a little bit um, too cool for school, just like hey yeah I know what I'm doing and I'm just like really like aloof and just kind of on the outside of things and I just show up to detention just to see people in like kind of distress and I just like draw pictures of them and I'm like oh my god just so fucking cool like you don't even realise and that's not as interesting a, you know you can get some funny little laughs from it but if she's going to be part of the actual story the meat of the story that's not an interesting character because she's already got it all figured out but then this kind of breaks that down a little bit and yeah. she's she too is awkward yeah. and kind of off center in the in the kind of same way as you know in the way that she's maybe doing it deliberately just to try yeah. and be a bit different and be yeah. a bit cool and whatever yeah um, which is what it feels like doesn't yeah. it? it feels like a protective device yeah that kind of sarcasm or yeah. cynicism that mm. she has it feels like oh just going to keep people from getting too close yeah or from judging me too much or yeah. whatever. And there are little hints with her of like a home life that maybe isn't particularly great and past experiences that we there's like a little thing of like which she doesn't have the greatest track record in terms of getting close to people. Oh yeah. And that's all you have. You know, ooh, intriguing, okay. Does that mean? But I understand I understand the result of it and it's mm, yeah. Adds a little bit of depth, a little bit of seasoning. Seasoning. Um yeah, so I think that, that okay. whole kind of awkward teen love thing um, worked really well for me. Okay. Thumbs up, positive. Thumbs up! Um, okay, I'm going to go with the humour. Humour. Um, we've kind of touched on this a little. Is this a positive or a negative with the humour? It's a positive. Positive with the humour. We've touched on it a little, as I say. Mm. Um in terms of the tone. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt like there was a lot of kind of laugh out loud type of moments. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were driven by the kids and yeah. their, their teenageness mm -hmm. uh, or silliness, um, like Ned and his new girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But there was also like the teachers, the teachers were and some funny. of their kind of funny bits. Martin Starr like, was a bit of a kind of unsung yeah. hero of the film, I think. Yeah. Desperately trying to keep yeah. this field trip vacation yeah. thing on the and track. I think yeah they got a lot of humour out of that and yeah. it was believable again yeah uh, yeah and just in the relationships between the characters um, and like when he's like ghosting Nick Fury yeah, yeah and Sam Jackson with all those bits and especially at the end where he's like you know make sure he calls me yeah like and talking about a teenage kid ghosting him at the beginning or whatever yeah. and yeah some of that's really funny or all of that's really funny um so yeah i really liked those i really appreciated those pieces of yeah. like just having humor kind of littered throughout it um yeah just kind of keep the tone light mm -hmm. like things might be bad but let's have a little joke yeah let's just keep it light yeah uh like the relationship with happy and his aunt and yeah like you know just there were a lot of different things going on that were like vehicles for humour. Yeah. Um and I think that that is important and I think for this kind of film. Yeah. Whereas I think which is for me is why I don't like the Toby Maguire ones as much because okay. they feel very serious. Yeah. 
They're very serious. Yeah. And when he is quippy in those films, it feels kind of a little like disingenuous or a little yeah. bit like planted in. Mm. Um, whereas here it feels like the whole vibe is kind of silly mm. and funny yeah. um, and keeps it light. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked, I liked the humour. Yeah. And you can, have a, you can have a serious character like Nick Fury in there because he can be the kind of the deadpan foil yeah. to a lot of the zaniness yeah. and kind of not giving it any truck. Yes, which is very funny yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I would, uh, similar, I put the light tone was nice in that same kind of way. As I said before, it was just the, the sorbet that was needed after Endgame. Yeah. Most keenly felt for me in the opening montage from the kind of school TV yeah. studio of the terribly made Getty images. Yeah. I will always love yeah. Whitney Houston, like death montage of the yeah. characters. And it says, we're acknowledging this. But this, you know, it's, it's going to be silly. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's purge all of that, all of those tears that we shed in Endgame. This is going to be a different thing. We're acknowledging that Iron Man and that Steve and that Black Widow are no longer with us. Yeah, and we're just gonna we're just moving this on. This is a new day. This is a new day. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, and I yeah I think it was it was just just what just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, um, nice and fun and breezy and. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Good. And in terms of humour, oh. just as an extra quick thing, I don't know whether this is going to crop up again. No, but it's, it's uh, mentioning somebody that I'm going to be mentioning again. Mysterio. Dive right in. Keep going. Mysterio. Yeah. Uh, all his bits are post-reveal. Yes. All of his bits where he is like a kind of petulant uh, director. Yeah. And wanted to get the art of the moment. Yeah. I loved. Yeah. I think that's great. And you could just see Jake Gyllenhaal creating this amalgam of any number of directors that he's worked with in the past. Yeah. Who are all a bit temperamental and a bit kind of obsessive. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was really good in it. Um, Is that a point? No. But go on. You may as well roll it into okay. your next point. Uh, well, I'll say the, the Mysterio twist I thought was really good. Um, going into it, um, this was broad strokes. It was the classic Mysterio story. Yeah. Uh, from his origin back in 1960, whatever it was. Yeah. Of this guy comes in, this new superhero comes in with this big bubble head and he foils all of these new bad guys who are coming up and he saves the day and he's this incredible hero. But then it turns out that he is... Uh, a disgruntled, failed Hollywood special effects person who is jealous of the attention that all these superheroes are getting. And so he uses his special effects knowledge to fake all these attacks so that he can come in. So none of his powers are real. It's all just smoke and mirrors, literally in some cases. Um, and then he gets discovered as a bad guy and... Spider-Man has to beat him up. So Broad Strokes is the same kind of story, but just with some nice little twists to kind of further integrate it into the Marvel Universe, which I thought was really nice in terms of him being a disgruntled Stark employee and him being part of a team of other people, which I thought was really nice. Um, uh, and so going into the film, knowing that, I was always kind of partly waiting for the other shoe to drop Yeah. in terms of... Uh, but he's going to be revealed at some point to be the... You know, not who he time. says he is. Yeah. Um, but the stuff with the multiverse, and I think it's, it's quite telling. I think Marvel were getting quite kind of meta with it. Yeah. And I think from things that I tried not to hear before watching the film but couldn't really help but hearing, there was talk of multiverses in yeah. the trailers. Yeah. I think it was revealed in the trailer that he's some he's somebody from a different Earth. Uh which ties perfectly in with Endgame, which is kind of set yeah. up the talk with the ancient one, set up all these kind of branching, yeah. you know, we're, we're now in a multiverse type situation. And so as a fan, you're kind of willing to eat that. Oh, isn't that really exciting? There's all these different earths now. And oh, this is a Mysterio from a different earth. And maybe there's going to be a Mysterio from our earth cropping up or they're going to do it in some other way. Yeah. Um, and so then when it did happen, it was kind of almost a, almost a double, double, double bluff or something. Yeah. So that I, you know, 
this was what I was expecting, but then they kind of just gave me enough to make me think, oh, maybe that isn't what they're doing. And then when they did do it, like, oh, right, okay, yeah. that's fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, so I thought they handled that really well. Um, the uh, continuity, I really liked with it. The fact that he was the inventor of Bath yeah. and plugging him yeah. into Civil War. Um, watching it, you were oh, very happy at I, those moments. I mean, I'm an absolute continuity nerd yes. but I love stuff like that yes. love 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 and the fact that his little buddy yes. was the guy in Iron Man getting yes. shouted at by Tony Stark built this in the cave with a bunch of scraps and it's that guy who's it's amazing who is actually I didn't realise at the time but he is the grown up little boy from A Christmas Story the one with the glasses who wants the BB gun. Oh, really? That's the same actor. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, so I thought that was really good. There were a couple of moments pre-twist that Beck was just a, maybe a little bit too smug and a little bit... There's moments that were a little bit cheesy, like when they're sitting on the edge of the roof and they're talking and it's all smiles and like, hey, but he's like the cool uncle. Yeah. Like, hey, don't... Yeah. Um, but looking back, you think, oh, right, that's quite nice because he was enjoying a bit too much being the kind of hero guy. Um, and I liked the fact that the character was actually based on some misplaced heroism, talking about uh, how people need something to believe in. Yeah. I thought, well, that's quite interesting. That it, yeah. It's always... It's the classic bad guy thing of, like, thinking that they're they're the good guy. Yeah. No matter how yeah. nefarious they're, you know, how they go about it is their ultimate goal is, you know, um, honourable yeah. in some way, in yeah. a kind of twisted way. Um, so I thought, yeah, the whole kind of Mysterio twist mm. uh, was very, very nicely done. Very nicely done. Indeed. Indeed. Oh! Yeah, um, well, I had something similar. Similar. Um, which was that... I, I really liked the idea of the kind of bad guys as a group of people, a group yes. of kind of disgruntled people. Oh, they're very disgruntled. You know, who have a shared problem. Beef. Issue. Yeah. Yeah, concern or whatever. Um, yeah, I thought it was an interesting idea that I can't think of another time when I've seen that. No. But it works perfectly. Yeah. Because you have this, the front man. Yeah. But then you have all these other people. And so yeah. there's... Um, you know, there's explanations for things like, yeah. well, he's here and he's getting beaten up, but the other team are like building this other thing, yeah. or there's, I don't know, I just think it worked really well. Of like, a, it gives them more power mm -hmm. because they they don't have any superpowers, so having a group of them, yeah, makes them harder to defeat because they all have these skills and whatever. Um, but b, it's like it's an interesting thing you get a group of people together who are all angry about the same thing yeah like do they become you know bigger than their 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 problem you know they yeah become this kind of bigger problem itself this bigger kind of force yeah um and so yeah i really liked that as an idea yeah and it felt like you know it it addressed my my usual problem, which is bad guys rarely have a feasible problem. Yeah. That drives them. Yeah. It's often just very woolly. Mm. Like, I want to destroy the world. Yeah. Okay, Great. but why? Yeah. What are you... What? Why? Yeah. To what end? What's yes. that going to solve? Yeah, and I just... I really appreciate thought going into who are these bad guys. Yeah. Why are they doing, like you say, what are they trying to do and why are they trying to do it? Mm. And the more that you can understand and or relate to that, the more compelling I think the story is. Absolutely. And I think um, this did a good job of that, of yeah. like giving time to telling their story. Yeah. Why are they here? Why are they doing what they're doing? Um, and it makes you feel like you don't think, you don't root for them or anything. No. But you feel a lot more like, oh, this is a lot more involved than, um, you know, you might initially <laughs> think it is. Mm. And then at the end, when it's a big fight, yeah. it's higher stakes for everybody. Yes. Because if they fail, yeah. then they don't get, they don't succeed in their plan. And if Peter yes. fails, he doesn't succeed in yeah. saving the world and blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. I thought the group of bad guys as a concept. Team Mysterio. Was a very good idea. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. And I liked how it was explained. It was yeah. very, it was a bit kind of ham-fisted because it had yeah. to be. Because you had to get a lot of exposition in one go. Yeah. But using the toasts because yes. it gives some reason why you would single out this person and talk about and their accomplishments what doing. to a team who already know exactly yeah. what they've done. Yeah. It's like, to, hi, to celebrate, yeah, we're a team, we did this together because you did this and that was really important and you did the thing and the thing and that yeah. was really important and you did the costumes. I thought she was funny, getting the... Yeah. He's like, yeah, we need that. I might be shaking hands with the Queen later on, yeah. so we need that. That was funny. I will stick... With Mysterio. Oh, yeah. If I may. Gosh, please. Uh, and we'll talk about a moment, yes. as I want to do. Yes. Uh, and a moment that I really enjoyed in this film was, or were, I suppose, the Mysterio um, illusion sequences. Yeah. I thought Where he was they like were great. Inside the, yeah. In, in the kind of, in the bath in technology, the really. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was great. I thought, as we often talk about in these Marvel films, and one of the things that makes Ant-Man in particular stand out as being a lot more fun and interesting than it probably has any right to be, because it's just a guy who gets bigger or gets smaller. But interesting use of powers, yeah, I think, goes such a long way in making somebody or something interesting. Yeah. And this is right. He's got this technology that can create these very realistic holograms. Yeah. What can we do with that? Well, we'll just plunge Spider-Man into, a, like, project them all around him so he has no idea where he is, what's happening to him, what's going on at all. What's real. What's real, what's fake. He yeah. throws a punch at him and he actually hits a wall. brick wall yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was good. I think that's really, really clever. It yeah. It lends itself to some incredible visuals, some really yeah. we weird kind weird. of trippy stuff. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of Doctor Strange in some ways yeah. when they had these kind of crazy, really Inside psychedelic... type of thing. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Ant-Man, when he's going... Uh, when it's Hank Pym, science explorer, going into, you know, subatomic. And there's all of this weird stuff and it doesn't make any sense, but it just kind of looks really cool. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really, really, really good uh, yeah. and really made the idea of a guy who, by his very nature, doesn't pose a threat, really. Yeah. Although they changed it a little bit this time with the drones, so it's like when he's smashing stuff the drones are actually blowing it up. Yeah. So there's a bit more threat to it. But at his base, he's, you know, it's, it's all man. fake. It's yeah. all fraud. Yeah. And so how do you make that character terrifying? It's like, well, if the fakery is so all-encompassing and so believable, yeah. then you don't know what is real and what isn't anymore. Yeah. And I just thought that was really a, an excellent way of using his powers. Yeah. Um yeah, I just, I thought they were really good. Yeah, they were very imaginative. Yeah. Very, like I think I said to you, but like, I couldn't imagine, like I cannot, if somebody said to me, okay, like Spider-Man's in this kind of yeah. illusionary world that's designed to disorient him. Yeah. Go, what happens? We've got happens? this incredible VFX team. Yeah, who can you can just do whatever, whatever you want. I just wouldn't know, I'd be twiddling my thumbs for days. Two and a half minutes. <laughs> like, I just... Well, I suppose perhaps this could happen. Does that work? Maybe it'll get in a car. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I thought it was very but a really fast car. <laughs> very creative and, like you say, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and very, yeah, disorienting and unnerving for him, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was a really good vehicle for, like, wrong-footing Spider-Man. Yeah. And for him being like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like... You know, to 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 make him doubt himself and to yeah. make him feel like he's been bested. Yeah, it really worked very well because you could see a kid being frustrated and like yeah. trying his best and exerting all this energy mm. and actually getting nowhere. Yeah, and just thinking, oh, I can't do this. Like, and then it takes it to the next level as well because you have the crazy trippy, you know, Mysterio's giant and he's taking his fishbowl head off and there's yeah. nothing there and it's all blah 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 blah. You think, well, on some level. 
once you've been going through that for a couple of minutes, you should know. Okay. Well, this isn't real. real. Yeah. This isn't real. This isn't actually happening to me. But then to have the next level of having the illusion that he's been shot. Yeah. And that Nick Fury's there yeah. and everything's saved. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's really. Yeah. Then that reminded me of X Men Two, when there's the guy who can cast illusions in. Yeah. The, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. And he casts the illusion that Professor X manages to escape and gets to the thing, but he hasn't escaped at all. And, yeah. And so then what do you believe? Yeah, and I just how think that's a fascinating. Yeah. And then when he sees Happy in the field, and he's, he's like, Are you real? What's yeah. like yeah. that desperation? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's real anymore. Yeah. And this the and the doubting of himself. Yeah. And yeah. what's like you say, what what do I trust? Yeah. What's real? Is this real? Is this a real moment? How do I know? Yeah. Is this just fantasy? Yeah. I'm caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. All escape from reality. All escape from reality. Just open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. Okay. Okay. So we move on? Let's do it. Okay, fine, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, fine, fine, fine. So, Final somewhat point? linked. No, I've got two more because you jumped on. Rambled on. Gosh. Guilty. Gosh. Gosh. Um, oh, gosh. Somewhat linked, but uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the kind of fight scenes and or you know battle scenes or that kind of mm-hmm. illusionary scene because I felt like and this is unprecedented. Yeah, I because I don't. Because this really is like normally them. the thing that drags a yes. superhero film down yes. for you. So this That's is true. they've done a very good job. This with is this. a very big. Um, win. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked it because I felt like he was getting injured. Yeah. He was getting beaten down mentally. Yeah. Like, and you feel like it was hard. Yeah. And I think there's just something so much more compelling mm-hmm. about watching someone struggle mm-hmm. and win. Um... And that it kind of feeds into that Spider-Man thing that you talk about of that kind of, like, going in anyway, getting up anyway. Yeah. Like, trying anyway, being heroic. Yeah. In the sense of, I don't think I'm going to win this, or I don't fully believe in myself. Yeah. But I'm going to try anyway. Um yeah, and so I really liked that he seemed battered. Yeah. He was, like, limping. He was, like, struggling and... Um, yeah, and then, yeah, he was doubting himself, it, you know, and even when he's, he has that moment of, I'm going to get him, like, he still kind of goes into that fight, and he's, you know, there's self-doubt throughout it, it's, yeah. he's constantly like, oh, I'm worried about my friends, and I'm trying to do this, and yeah. I can't do that, and I've messed up here, and what do I do now, and like, you know, and but yeah. you just get the sense that he's actually really injured. Yeah. And he's, you know, just carrying on. Mm. And I do, I, I think other films do it to some extent, but often their injuries will kind of disappear. They'll happen. Yeah. He'll be like thrown against a wall, and you're like, he's definitely dead. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, broken or sprained or something. Whereas I felt like this film leaned into it a bit, and yeah. so as as the film progressed his injuries were still there. Like, he still had scrapes and bruises and, you know, injuries from previous fights. Um, And I really like that. Because I think that's what... I do think that's what makes someone more compelling as a hero, is someone who's hurt and who's going to go anyway. And, And the more you notice, they're not, like, super, super superhero in the sense that nothing... Nothing hurts them, nothing bothers them. They're always confident. They're always physically, you know, fit and ready to fight. Um, It's just not as compelling. It's like the Avengers Endgame thing, the nice thing with Captain America getting up after being, like, battered around. It's That's that's the moment you remember because you're like, oh, he's going to fight anyway. And with this film, I felt like they leaned into that a lot mm. more. So maybe it wasn't the fighting as such, but I enjoyed that he gets beaten up a bit. The sense of kind of psychology within yeah. the fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, that de- like the illusion parts, that he starts to doubt himself and he doesn't know what to do. And then the great thing about setting that kind of thing up is 
that the reason he wins in the end is because he believes in himself. Yeah. He trusts himself. He trusts his in instinct. Mm. And so he can, you know, sense his way through mm. the illusions. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really good. I thought it was really smart to have that kind of disorienting mm -hmm. mechanism for a character who is full of self-doubt. Yeah. And to, like, layer that on and to make him physically challenged um, and to still have him win. Yeah. Because then you feel like that's a deserved win. Yeah, he's earned like, it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I thought that was good. I've got a couple of things. Yeah. In response to that. First one is that it used, I think, when you're talking about self-doubt and trusting himself, it's the only film or the only thing that I can remember that has used his spidey sense or yes. Peter Tingle um, <laughs> as, in a storyline sense. Yeah. Of like, he's getting these messages yeah. as part of his power set. Yeah. He's getting these messages about what's coming to him yeah. and what's dangerous around him. But he's just not listening he's not to them. Learning to yeah. In that way of like he's got instincts. Yeah. But he just needs to learn to listen to them and trust them. Yeah. And that's why he's able to grab the gun at the end. Yeah. And not... Which is a great moment, I yeah, think. Absolutely. Yeah. Because and he's... which throughout the rest, he's always questioning himself and yes. doubting himself and asking, "What should I do? What would Tony do?" Yeah. But it's like you don't do what Tony would do. Yeah. You do what you can do. Yes. Which is different from what he can do. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the second thing Sorry, yeah. is that... No, 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 that's great. Um, the second thing is something that I shall refer to oh. as uh, Batman syndrome. And I would say it applies to Batman, I would say it applies to Spider-Man, and to some extent I would say it applies to Wolverine as well. In that, these are three very, very popular characters. Yeah. Um, and their popularity kind of drives them towards the top of the pile in their respective universes. Yeah. So you get the Avengers with Spider-Man in it. You get the Justice League with Batman in it. You get the Avengers with Wolverine in it and X-Men and all of this kind of stuff. And so they're fighting these incredibly powerful things because that's what the big teams have to fight. But really, when you look at their power set, they're like they're street-level people. Spider-Man is on the level of like Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Daredevil and Jessica Jones, like that's yeah. kind of where he should the live. Of New York. Yeah, in terms of his powers. Yeah. Um, but because he's so popular, yeah. he gets kind of elevated. And yeah. so when he's in those types of situations, and like we had in this film, he's fighting a giant lava monster. Yeah. He's fast and he can cling to walls and he's got webs. Like, what's he going to do against yeah. a big lava monster? Yeah. So you're able to do in a way that you can't really as much with Iron Man. You can't as much with, I mean, certainly not, you know, with Captain Marvel now. How do you, how do you put her in the same level of peril as Spider-Man has here yeah. without fighting a god or something? I mean, she's, yeah. you know, ridiculously powerful. Um, but with Spider-Man, because he's just a kid who can who's strong and agile and climb up walls, it's easy to, or straightforward to create threats that are genuinely threatening yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, in a way that for some of the other, like your Thors or whatever, you always get a sense, well, Thor's going to find a yeah. way to, you know. He's a god. He's, there's fine. lightning and there's hammers and all kinds of yeah. shit going on. Um, but with Spider-Man, yeah, like you say, when he, there are threats that he can go up against. That you're like, well, what's he going to do here? Yeah. How's he going to solve yeah. this? Which I think makes him, yeah, a lot more compelling. Yeah. So I'd say that's a fantastic point. <laughs> Thanks. Um, my final point oh. is, uh, it's actually a positive. What? <laughs> Gosh. Um, something that you get with this film and with Spider-Man Homecoming, more so than you get with a lot of the other films, a lot of the other Marvel films, um, is something that I've named Frontline because there is a Marvel comic a periodic Marvel comic called Frontline that comes and goes every every so often and it tells stories about just people in the Marvel Universe. It doesn't tell superhero stories. It's just what it's like for ordinary people to live in a world that oh, has yeah. superheroes in it. And that's what this film does. Yeah. Like at the beginning, having the bit where they're talking about the snap or the blip um, yeah. in just human terms. Not like, oh my God, and I... <coughs> You know, Hawkeye's family disappeared and this, this happened. Yeah. And, oh my God, but what? Oh, and then Captain Marvel comes back. Just like 
they were it was a school band and they disappeared and then they came back and in the middle of a basketball game just like what's it like you get that you get their love of superheroes the fact that ned on a whim calls spider-man in his stealth suit night monkey yeah. And then that travels through Europe, yeah. which just shows how much people love superheroes. Oh, yeah. there's a new superhero. Oh, we all got to know about Night Monkey now. Who's yeah. Night Monkey? What's going on with this? Um, and then that even extends to mentioning one of the big surprises of the film at the end. Old uh, J. Jonah Jameson showing up again. Oh, yeah. J.K. Simmons straddling universes. They've just taken the best part of yeah. the Raimi film. We like that. That was good. Let's do that again. That was good. And Toby Maguire. Well, they auditioned like, others. Hey, do you want me again? <laughs> and they're like, oh, no. these aren't as good. Yeah. Let's just get him. JK. How's um, it going, babe? <laughs> you know, we said we didn't want you. That was just JK. Oh! Um, and him being, yeah, like a kind of a, an Alex Jones type kind of conspiracy theorist, crazy, you yeah. know independent journalist in quotes um just how ordinary people deal with living in this insane world yeah that in a you know in a with superheroes and gods and monsters and all of this kind of stuff a, a snap and it's something that was looked at in endgame in terms of that little support group that captain america's in yeah and this kind of similar yeah the similar kind yeah. of stuff i just find it absolutely fascinating what did you think about the uh, the ending with regard to him? Uh, what's his face? Mysterio saying... Outing him. Yeah, and saying he's a bad guy. Saying that he's a bad guy, yeah. I thought the bad guy thing was really clever because it kind of... And again, in that kind of J. Jonah Jameson, Alex Jones kind of way of, you know... I hate to use the phrase, but fake news. Yeah. Kind of misinformation and deep fake stuff and... yeah that people can be manipulated so easily. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and his name's Peter Parker. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's happened in the comics before. Yeah. Um, but it really just shakes up oh. the whole thing. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens and where they go from here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, in uh, in the Marvel series Civil War... It's one of the um, stunts that uh, Tony Stark kind of makes him do, um, makes him kind of unmask on live TV and say, hi, I'm Peter Parker, I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old, um, as a way of him to say, hey, you know, superheroes are, are being more transparent and we're registering and it's, you know, you can trust us because we're taking off our masks and we're all blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the, and so then that kind of played into stories. Uh, obviously his family has to kind of go into, a, have a bit more protection. Um, they move into... And his friends and Avengers stuff. Towers, yeah. Um, but then the, but then they reversed it and the only way that they could reverse it was with, by him making a deal with the devil... <laughs> Oh, wow. The devil himself, Mephisto, um, to... Uh, what, like, wipe everyone's memories? Wipe everyone's memories, essentially, wow. of his... So he's gone back to being uh, anonymous now. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be real interesting. Yeah, I mean, it takes it in a very particular direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot... It seems it'll be a lot less of the kind of just oh he's just a 15 year old kid yeah. noodling around now um it makes it a lot more serious it gives a lot more weight yeah. and gravity to it yeah but i mean hats off to marvel for kind of Choosing shaking it up own, yeah direction just yeah saying well we don't want to get comfortable we don't want to just give you the same kind of story that you've seen before we've had two that are kind of high schooly kind of things whatever the next one's going to be and there's obviously going to be a next one it's going to be completely different. It's going to be different, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought that was interesting. Um, so, my last point, my final point, it is a negative. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, I don't think you're going to like it. Oh, my goodness. But Lay it, it on is me, Daddy-o. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Which I know you is controversial. You're out of your fucking mind. Controversial, I know. Beyond belief. But. <sighs> I've got I just this. felt like he didn't belong in this film. 
Really? Yeah, just something about his role. And I know you say, and you're right, that like at the beginning, he is a little bit schmoozy, yeah. a little bit cheesy, yeah. and it just feels a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And then, you know, hindsight, you can see why. Mm-hmm. But even when he was that kind of the point that you were making with regard to him being like that kind of petulant director thing, yeah. I just didn't buy it. No? No, I don't know why. I just, he's one of those people, actually that's not true. In this film, his acting was like those people where you feel like they're acting. Really? Yeah. And you just, for me, I just didn't ever really fully believe it. I didn't believe him as a bad guy. No. No. And then I didn't believe him as a good guy, but then that's understandable because, you know, maybe he was laying it on thick on purpose and so there's a reason you see through it. Um, But later as a bad guy, like, I just felt like he didn't pull it off. Wow. I don't know why. Just didn't wow. quite get that that kind of um, darkness yeah. that comes from those kind of characters and that kind of menace. I don't think it was very menacing. Yeah. Um, and I think he should have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just didn't buy it. And my least favourite part Uh-oh. was right when he reveals that he's a bad guy. Yeah. And he kind of smiles or laughs yeah. once Spider-Man has left the pub thing that yeah. they're in. And I just think that was just entirely unbelievable. Wow. Just entirely like, I hope this is an act because otherwise this is terrible acting. Wow. Yeah. I really thought it was bad. And I hated that toast scene. <laughs> hated it. Like, I get it. And I think you're right. It's a clever vehicle yeah. to like introduce who are these people and why are they doing what they're doing yeah. and how are they contributing but i just think the way that he did it was so heavy-handed yeah the way that he acted it and maybe some of the script was a bit too heavy-handed yeah it just felt a bit like amateur hour wow that whole bit i was like oh come on burning journal here. i know and obviously he's great and you know, I love him in other things. There's no denying he's a good actor. Yeah. But it just didn't come off for me. I don't know why. I can't... And I can't really properly verbalise what it was and what I... I just felt like it was too... Stagey. Yeah, maybe a bit pantomime mm. and not truly as menacing as it could or should have been and that yeah. I've seen other people do a lot better. Interesting. Like of having a more natural kind of dark side to them. Yeah. Um, it just didn't come off for me. With yeah. Him. I mean, maybe yeah. There's a, an element of because he's obviously a lot more known for his slightly more kind of indie fare. Yeah. Slightly more kind of challenging roles and interesting yeah. small little films that he thought because he's on a this is a big marvel film this is how you act in a big yeah maybe marvel i mean film. maybe it's just a personal like thing and it just didn't come off for me and yeah you know maybe it's cuz i see him in those smaller roles and yeah it was a weird juxtaposition to see him here yeah i think that's a possibility definitely but yeah i don't know interesting just didn't didn't come off for me and i think it would have been a substantially better film had it come off had there been either him or somebody else and it had felt like this menacing person yeah I think in parts he felt a bit silly yeah and I don't know if that was the point but for me I didn't like that so if you had to recast oh that's a difficult question thank you thank you you know and I'm not saying I would recast this but we we're go. watching Stranger Things at the moment. Yes. And that guy, Billy. Yes. He's just got this vibe about him that yes. you're like, oh, he's not a good guy. Yeah. And I just think there are some people that can really switch that on. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm sure there are a lot... Like him, I love of in this... In Stranger Things, I think he's great. He's mm-hmm. very menacing. He has yeah. this natural kind of, I really wouldn't want to be against yeah. him kind of way. Uh What's his name? Mahershala Ali. I always bring him up because I thought he was I mean, amazing. I mean, you've cast him in everything. In Luke Cage. Yeah. 
that like just that kind of menacing persona of yeah. just something not quite right you're not sure how to take him he's kind of nice and he would have been perfect for this because he's got that kind of nice oh nice guy you like me i'm your friend it's great yeah. isn't it but he switches and yeah. suddenly he's this kind of you know very malicious very yeah. dangerous person interesting um and i just felt like jake Gyllenhaal was his bad guy wasn't bad enough for yeah. me and i can't Outside of those two, nobody's springing to mind immediately. It is difficult because um, obviously Mahershala straddles both lines. Yeah. But Billy in Stranger Things... is kind of just a bad guy. You think, like, could he do the I'm this kind of wonderful superhero mm. from another world kind of thing? I, I mean, he plays that kind of charming with the ladies... That's true. ...type of thing. I mean, it's a bit of a bad boy charm. Yeah. Um, but that could be, yeah. I reckon he could probably switch that nice. to be like a mentory kind of, oh yeah. yeah, you're cool, I'm cool. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like gain the trust of someone, yeah. especially a young boy. Yeah. A young, impressionable boy. Yeah. Uh, by being the cool person that he'd want to be. Mm. So maybe he wouldn't have gone the charming route, mm. but it would be a different kind of likability. I don't know. Didn't like it. Oh, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Which is a shame. Well, it's, it's, it's a, and it's probably very personal. I'm sure other people would just be like, he was amazing. And he pulled it off. Yeah. Mind. Just something not, didn't add up for me. Yeah. On that front. You did, Now you've just got me excited about what, who Mahershala Ali could play in uh, MCU. I think he'd be you great. Bring him in. I think he'd be great. Because part of me said, part of me says well he kind of just does more serious films but he was in that Alita Battle Angel thing and yeah. it was dog shit so do you know what I mean I mean I think he's great he'll do it for a paycheck yeah he's no, not I above think that he... we've learned that now yeah yeah I know I think he brings genuineness and a dynamic nature to all the characters that he plays mm. um and I think you know like I say with Luke Cage I think he's proved he can be a very mm. menacing bad guy in the right film right program well you've done an incredible thing by um, complimenting Mahershala Ali in a uh, review of a film that he's not even in <laughs> that's, uh, that's very impressive as is my way as is your way yeah um, so what were your what were your points my points were I liked Tom Holland yes I liked the group of bad guys yes I liked the humour yes I liked the fight scenes mm -hmm. but I did not like Jake Gyllenhaal didn't like Jake Gyllenhaal um, I liked the uh, frontlineness of it all. What's it like for ordinary people living in the MCU? I liked the light tone. I liked the awkward tone. tone. <laughs> I liked the awkward teen love. I liked the Mysterio dream sequences. And I liked the Quentin Beck twist. Five for five. Which, of course, means, in true Flicks fashion, because there is no perfect film out there, I need to mention some things that I didn't like. Okay. As per the rules. Uh, I didn't like that Spider-Man was in Europe. Why? Um, in terms of not Peter Parker being in Europe, but Spider-Man being in Europe. I dislike, and I thought it would be a perfect excuse because there have been times in the comics where Spider-Man has not wanted to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and he's come up with other superhero identities. And I thought you could have so much fun yeah. with like... But what do you mean? They had the night monkey. They had the night monkey, yeah, but he's still using yeah, his webs and stuff, yeah. and it's all, and he yeah. just looked like Spider Man, yeah, with the eyes and stuff, um, and the the bit where he's on the boat with Fury and he's in his just proper Spider Man yeah. uniform, you just think no, like, like there's a comic where Daredevil, um, or Matt Murdock goes to Europe because he has to investigate a thing and he's in Spain, and then something kicks off and he just changes into his Daredevil costume and he's jumping around. I just think, like, no, you're an idiot. If you're trying to keep... What what idiot can't keep a secret identity by saying that, oh, it's this other... You know, it's this very specific person who lives in a very specific place, and I just happen to be in this other place, and so this other superhero yeah. just seems stupid to me. Yeah. Uh, and would have... Could have been a really fun, like, what else could I be? Giving yeah. himself another name. He could, you know... And it could be one of my favourite sequences in all of films of him coming out in various different superhero costumes. And most of them, people are like, uh-uh. And then he comes out with one, and they're like, oh, yeah. 
That would have been great. Uh, the end kiss between him and MJ. You're going to bring that. They have a little peck, and it's really awkward, and that's great. They have another little peck, and that's great because it's really awkward. And then they just go in for this weird, like, movie kiss. It wasn't quite a movie kiss. It wasn't kiss. quite a full movie kiss, but it was kind of a movie kiss, and I didn't like it. Okay. In part because they're supposed to be, like, 16 years old. It's gross. Kids are 16 now smooch like that. They smooch real good. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they do, uh. Apparently, I've seen them all smooching. They do it on the bus. Um, and the fact that what's going on with Nick Fury? I mean, a what's going on with Nick Fury because he's apparently Talos. He's just somebody else. He's yeah. a scroll. How long has he been a scroll? Has he been a scroll before? What's he doing now in space? Is he setting up Sword, S W O R D, which is like the space version of Shield? Is he doing something with that? What's going on with that? That's very intriguing, very enticing, but. What's going on with him in terms of... Because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s no more. Yeah. So he's not... So he disappeared from S.H.I.E.L.D. He's just starting his own S.H.I.E.L.D. He's just a guy, but he works with, like, European intelligence agencies and yeah. he knows lots of stuff and I he's mean, able to influence I mean, doesn't he kind of say their... he's figuring it out? Like, he's like, I don't know anything. I've woken up and now yeah. I don't know things. and Yeah. I don't know. But he still has a lot of power. And it's never really explained yeah. what that power is or how he's able to assemble these teams of people. Or That's true. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are my things. Just oh, a couple of little okay. things that I'm not okay. really... Wasn't over the moon with. Okay. But not big nice. enough to be points in and of themselves. Five on five, babe. Um, so that was our spoiler-filled review of Spider-Man, colon, Far From Home. 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 Tiffany B., yeah. What did we learn? Gosh, we learned the greatest lesson of them all. <gasps> what is that lesson? That the way to beat Jake Gyllenhaal is to trust yourself. <laughs> and I trust myself when I say he was not the right man for the job. <laughs> if you just trust in yourself, Jake Gyllenhaal will never win. Ever. Cheers! <laughs>